Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Good morning. It is Tuesday, October 20th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined today for the first time on the Daily by Alan True, who covers recruiting for 24-7 sports, but also lives in Michigan and has been putting together a pretty excellent feature on 24-7 sports the last few weeks, Big Ten Camp Notebook. And Alan, we knew we needed to have you on because the Big Ten comes back this week. I have not spent much time focusing on the conference uh, with, with the SEC and the Big 12 and the ACC and, and several other groups of five schools going on. But there's 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 a lot to cover. There's probably a lot I've missed. So I just want to start by asking you, like, how, how is everyone feeling up there about the Big Ten returning? Well, first, I think everybody's excited because it looked like this wasn't going to happen. And it was to the point for me where when all these parents were driving from, you know, Ohio and Pennsylvania and places like that to the big 10 offices and whole staging these rallies, part of me was kind of going, why are these people wasting their time? Uh, and, and they got it done. So uh, I think everybody's just pumped to see big 10 football back in the air, but there are a lot of question marks, you know, availability has been less this year because of COVID um, because we're not having, you know, in-person media sessions as much. So, there's some secretive stuff going on. So I'm excited to see what the teams look like this Saturday, because I think there's more unknowns going into this season than ever before. Yeah. I think the big 10 coming back makes it feel a little bit more like fall out here. Um, I I think we can all agree. Ohio state's the team to beat in the big 10. And and then of course, in the big 10 East in the big 10 West, I've got some question marks about Wisconsin. I think we both like them to come out of that, division Allen, but new quarterback Graham Mertz was a a really highly ranked quarterback prospect in the class of 2019. And and he didn't get to get in on any of the the fun of the year of the quarterback last year, right? Like Sam Howell, Bo Nix, Jaden Daniels, Hank Bachmeyer. Graham Mertz was just behind Jack Cohn. And then Jack Cohn a few weeks ago suffers an injury. Now it's Graham's job. Do you think he's going to be up for the task? I think so. Graham, you know, when you think of Wisconsin, they have won a lot of games, competed for Big Ten championship games, and put a number of quarterbacks in the pros, none of which were highly recruited. And, and during this time, they've had one four-star quarterback recruit, Bart Houston, who I think was the only one out of that group who really hasn't stuck on an NFL roster. So they've always done a great job developing that position. So now you give them a guy with Mertz who I think has more physical talent than any of the guys who previously started. And, and I think he's going to be ready. He's been ready at every, every little test that's come along throughout his career. He wasn't a guy who started early in his high school career. People were skeptical about him. Steps in, has a great year, his first year as a starter. Goes down to the All-American Bowl. People were a little skeptical about him against that competition. Has one of the best performances in that game. So along the way, we've had some glimpses of what Graham uh, can do when the chips are on the table or maybe when he's doubted a little bit and, and he's always come up big. 
Yeah, the number 65 player in the 24-7 sports composite for 2019. You're so right about the All-American ball. He think he had like at least four touchdowns in that game and was the most valuable player. Um, and then he was even on, you know, Alan, like when you go to San Antonio, they have the mural outside the um, the hotel where everyone's at on the Riverwalk of like all the greats who have played in the game. They have Trevor Lawrence, Adrian Peterson, Vince Young, Andrew Luck, and like Graham Mertz was on the mural last year um, in, in January, which I thought was funny. And and so now he kind of gets to to rise to the occasion. Uh, Wisconsin opens a year uh, against Illinois on Friday night on the Big Ten Network. Uh, Ohio State on the other side of the division, if they meet in Indianapolis, like what question marks do you have with the Buckeyes? I saw in your, in your camp notebook, like you've got some, some breakout stars, possibly like Zach Harrison at defensive end. They got question marks in the secondary, but they're going to be glad to have Sean Wade opting back in and, and guard Wyatt Davis opting back in. And then of course that receiving class of 2020 is just, is just nasty. But what's holding Ohio state back if they, if Ohio State is to lose a Big Ten game this year, what what do you think will be the culprit? So I think, you know, there are, are some going to be some new players stepping in on defense. They lost a lot of talent from that side of the ball, but they're by and large replacing those guys with, with guys who were very heavily recruited. They've obviously recruited at the top of the national board every single year. So for me, more of the question is, as I watch this first part of the college football season and I look around at the other conferences, we've had our share of upsets right? and we've had our share – of uh, top teams kind of pushed to the brink or beaten by underdogs. And I think the nature of the year makes it that way. You're more ripe for an upset. So that's my biggest question with Ohio state. I think if they get beat, it'll be somebody sneaks up on them a little bit like Purdue did a couple years ago, or Iowa did a couple years ago, as far as talent on the field, I think they're going to be more talented than every team they play. So it's just a matter of guarding against those upsets, which we've already seen in this early part of the football season. Yeah, Ohio State opens its its schedule against Nebraska noon on Fox. That'll be fun. Um, I'll ask you a quick Nebraska question, then we'll kind of keep going rapid fire. When you talk to kids on the trail, parents on the trail, this is sort of a football and recruiting question. What's the mood for the job Scott Frost has done, and, and do you think – like he's going to be able to to raise the game in Lincoln as far as on the trail and then on the field to to buy himself a little bit more time. Yeah, I do think that they're uh, upping the level of talent that they're bringing onto the roster. When you look at where they are, they're 21 in the country right now. They were top 20 class the year before, and they are recruiting nationally. And that's something that Mike Riley and previous staffs uh, also did, but I don't think quite to the level that Scott Frost and his staff are doing. They're not just going out of state. They're going out of state and signing top guys. They're the number one junior college receiver in the country in last year's class. So I think they're going to put out a more physically talented team. Uh, They're putting out, uh, they're going to put together a team that looks the part getting off the bus. And athletically, I think that's what you have to do when you're going against Ohio States and Penn States, Michigans and schools that recruit as well as those schools do is to be able to match those teams physically. And Nebraska is on the path to doing that. What do you think are fair expectations for Greg Schiano at Rutgers and, and Mel Tucker at Michigan state in their first seasons? They both play each other uh, Saturday morning as well. Well, that I think, you know, that's uh, almost like a must win game in some ways for both of those teams. So they're not going to get too many opportunities to where you're coming in and saying, you know, this is kind of a push a pick game. Uh, those teams will probably be underdogs for most of their schedule. I think that the fair expectation for both of those teams is to have no expectations. This is not 
a season where you come in and you say you're expecting too much out of either of those schools. You want to see progress every week. I think you want to see that there's players there to build for the future. So you want to get a good look at, at some of the young talent, which both of those schools actually have recruited pretty well. Rutgers in particular last year signed a pretty good class. So I think you'd like to see that there's, there's glimmers of hope there, but I would not expect either of those teams to be really challenging for the East division. I think if one of, if either of those teams can win a game or two that they're not supposed to win, you'll be happy with with an upset and maybe playing spoiler at that point. Penn state's a pretty well-known commodity at this point. They're going to play at Indiana three 30 on FS one. I think we know enough about the Nittany lions. Like we're going to cover them plenty in the next few weeks. They have a game against Ohio state on Halloween, but Alan, tell us somebody on Indiana's team who is had a nice fall that you saw a lot of buzz about, or just a really good player that you think the nation needs to be paying attention to. Yeah. There's two guys on offense over there. Peyton Hendershot, their tight end, I think has a great chance to be drafted. He's a guy who was a really good basketball player in high school started to break out a little bit last year. I think he's going to be a focal point of the offense this year. And one of the guys I think they have on offense, but really creates matchup problems. Um, and then David Ellis got his feet wet last year as a true freshman, a guy who can uh, return kicks. He can line up in the backfield. They'll run it with him on jet sweeps. They'll throw him the football. I would expect to see him touch the ball a lot more now that he's second year in and uh, knows more of the playbook. The College Football Daily will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Iowa at Purdue, weird offseason for Iowa. And then they also have to bring in a new quarterback, breaking a new quarterback, Spencer Petras. And, and that at Purdue, Jeff Brom's not even going to be coaching. He has COVID-19. Well, I think Iowa for Petrus, it's a lot like Wisconsin and Graham Mertz, where neither of those schools ever really forces their quarterback to do too much. Um, they're going to fit within the framework of the offense. They're going to have a good offense flying. They're going to run the football. They're going to play good defense. So Petrus, I think, you know, at least headed into this game, isn't going to be forced to have to play outside of himself too much unless Purdue somehow jumps out to an early lead. Um, and then on the other side for Plummer, if you're going to be a new quarterback in the league, I think you can you would choose Purdue's complement of skill players pretty high. If I'm a new quarterback and I've got Rondale Moore and I've got David Bell uh, and I've got that group of skill guys, I mean, they really go four or five deep with really good wideouts over there. Um, I, I would feel pretty good about my chances for success. But I think because of the other elements there, like I said, I was going to play good defense. They're going to run the football well. Um, I, I would feel more comfortable picking Iowa in this one uh, based on it being the first start for both of those guys. Purdue, 
I mean, thank goodness Rondell Moore opted back in. Now Jeff Brom, the coach, is out with COVID-19. He won't be coaching this first game. How have you seen Purdue raise its talent level on the recruiting trail in the last few years? Like David Bell's there too. George Karlaftis was a five-star. These these guys are like, they're, they're bringing more talent to, to West Lafayette than you would ever think. Yeah, they've done a great job. And those guys are turning out, you know, I think, it wasn't too long ago. It was. It may, it may have been even been the year before Brom took over that I think Purdue finished dead last in the conference or towards the bottom in recruiting. And you go from that to all of a sudden you're beating major programs for Rondale Moore and David Bell and Milton Wright and George Karlaftis. And I know some of those guys were local recruits, but those guys could have gone just about anywhere in the country. And so they've shown that they can't, they not only win those recruiting battles, but those guys are impact players for them. So they're developing them. They're putting them in the right positions to succeed. Um, then on the other side for Petrus, I mean, Iowa, like Wisconsin, like I said, with Mertz, they never really forced their quarterback to have to do too much. They're going to put an all good offensive line in front of them. They're going to run the ball while they're going to play good defense. So I actually feel like Petrus isn't, isn't They're They're going to make it as easy on him as possible. Purdue's probably going to try to jump out early, hit some big plays and force him to have to, to come from behind and force them to maybe get out of their game plan a little bit. So interested to see how that works itself out through this one. I was reading in your Big Ten Camp Notes piece that Iowa is pretty excited about this this receiver, Buffalo transfer, Charlie Jones, who's been making noise in practice as a playmaking guy on the outside. So everyone should, should be keeping an eye on him. Uh, Michigan at Minnesota, that's on ABC it's at 730. I think that's that's clearly they're just like the most intriguing game of, of the se- of the week at least. Um, PJ Fleck, I know you covered him back when he was at Western Michigan. Like I, I, I Alan, like when you talk to him, I'm sure he says you know row the boat and elite and all that stuff. At what point, if if you ever were a doubter on PJ Fleck, did you start to buy in or did this guy grab you from day one? No, I think on day one you knew that there was personality there and there was a clear will to for success, right? He came in and really kicked the door down at Western Michigan and then they would go out and win one game. So that's where uh, some of his skeptics and doubters really crept their way in, but he was still through all that recruiting so well that once they started to win some games, that's where it went for me, where, where it was like, this guy's not going to be at Western Michigan for too long. I think, people focus a lot on the running around the, like you said, the very specific language, the odd terminology, maybe that he uses the the culture building that he does. But what you can't really deny is the results. He took Western Michigan from one win to a cotton bowl in a pretty short amount of time. He had Minnesota last year, you know, with the spotlight on them in college football with Penn state coming to town, they win that game. They beat Wisconsin the year before you know, he's, he's, he's moving things in the right direction at Minnesota, just like he did at Western Michigan. So I think it's really tough at this point for anybody who's still doubting PJ Fleck to have a whole lot of evidence on the table there. People are doubting Jim Harbaugh. I'm planning on later in the week doing an an entire episode on him and, you know, going to talk about his new quarterback, Joe Milton, but on the defensive side of the ball for the Wolverines, there's never really been an issue. Is there a guy who you've been reading about or who you remember as a recruit, Alan, on that Michigan defense who you're expecting big things from. I saw you mentioned defensive end David Ojabo, a, a former four-star from New Jersey, as someone who's making noise. Yeah, I think that the guy, and he, he played last year and started, but the guy to watch on that defense now is Daxton Hill. Um, five-star guy, 
very talented, got his feet wet last year. You saw flashes of why he was a five-star. And I think you expect in year two him to really step forward and become a playmaker on that defense. Not just a guy who, who's, who's out there, who's holding his own, who you're saying, let's build for the future. Now you're expecting Daxon Hill to move forward and be one of your stars on the defensive side of the ball. And there's talk of him playing corner this offseason. Uh, he can play in the deep part of the secondary. He can play in the box. Those are that versatility and that ability to play anywhere is part of what made him a five star. And so I think Michigan will will find creative ways uh, to use his talents. He's the one that I really have my eye on, even though he maybe isn't like a sleeper or an unknown guy. But he's the one that I think can maybe take the biggest leap forward for them from year one to year two, and and have the biggest impact on their defense if he lives up to his recruiting billing this year. Maryland at Northwestern is not going to get any attention. Like the games on the Big Ten Network, you know, people won't be watching it. It's and it's, I mean, goodness sakes, it's it's Maryland at Northwestern. But the Wildcats have a new quarterback, Peyton Ramsey from Indiana. They announced him as the starter. They had one of the worst offenses in the country last year. I I would imagine he makes them a lot better. And the Maryland at quarterback, the the guy could be Tully Atungavailoa, right? Like, what, what's your what, what's your early breakdown of at least the quarterback battle in this game? Yeah, so Northwestern names their starter, and that wasn't, you know, I think we all thought Peyton Ramsey was the lead horse, but you know, even though he didn't have a good year last year, Hunter Johnson's still a former top recruit. Andrew Marty played well for them at times. Aiden Smith played well for them at times. So there was a, a crowded group of quarterbacks there, and, I, I, and you mentioned Northwestern being quiet. I think that's definitely by design. That's how Pat Fitzgerald wants it. Very little coming out of camp. Uh, for them other than some nice views of them practicing along the Chicago skyline and along Lake Michigan. But you also forget that this team is really like not too far removed from having played in a big 10 title game. Uh, And I think the struggles at quarterback last year were a big reason they took those steps backwards. So if Peyton Ramsey can come in and be the guy that they think he can be, he's had some success in the big 10 already comes in with experience um, comes from a good high school program, son of a coach, all those things. If he can, do for them what Clayton Thorson did, then they could be a sleeper team in all of this. And then with Maryland, you know, I think Tonga Vailoa, uh, he's, he's the big name. He's the one with the recognized last name, but they're extremely excited about Lance Lejean. He was a big time recruit for them, physically talented guy, big athletic. I think you may see both of those guys in the game at some point for the Terps. Alan, I'd be remiss if we didn't circle back to Illinois. We've mentioned every single team in the conference, but I glazed over the Illini when we were talking about uh, Graham Mertz and they're going to play on Friday. But Marquez Beeson, former four-star recruit uh, for them, was injured last season, ACL. What are you hearing about him out of fall camp? Well, he he can make a huge difference for them because I think their secondary uh, is very good. They return a couple of guys who can really play in Tony Allen, uh, Tony Adams and, and Nate Hobbs. But the way that things run in this conference, we mentioned some of the skill guys that are in the league, you know, Ohio state and Purdue and Minnesota and schools like that are going to put out, you know, three, four receivers that can run. Having a cornerback that can match up in the slot is uh, very important. And Marquez Beeson can do that. He was a return guy in high school. He's a receiver in high school. So you may see him on special teams as well for a team that hasn't gotten a ton of four-star recruits, like we said with Purdue and their four-star recruits turning out, it's a huge lift of those guys uh, do turn out to live up to their recruiting billing. So if Beeson can do that, a huge boost for the Illini, just as you saw last year with guys like Josh Bebe, Brandon Peters, those transfers came in, 
and showed why they were previously blue chip recruits. Marcus Beeson can do that on the defensive side of the ball. Big lift for them. We just went 14 teams, seven games in 20 minutes. I, I don't know how you did that. Like I was, I was hitting you with, with questions left and right. You answered all of them, Alan. Thank you. Uh, thanks for joining us and thanks for putting together this, this big 10 camp report. I learned a lot today and, uh, I hope everyone else out there did too. Uh, my name is Trey Scott for our producer, Tony Levitt. Thank you for listening to the College Football Daily. We will talk to you on Wednesday. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.